billions of dollars flying out of Kabul. It's Friday, January 25th. From Public Radio International, the BBC World Service, and WGBH Boston, this is The World. I'm Marco Werman. We'll hear why Kabul's economic bubble could soon burst. Also today marks two years since the start of Egypt's revolution. Back then, this Egyptian woman watched from the maternity ward. I actually thought, you know, why are these people wasting their time, you know, demonstrating or protesting? It's not like it's going to get them anywhere. Today, she joined thousands of people once again protesting in Tahrir Square. And later, a lobster fight in Canada. Two provinces battle over what size of lobster can be caught. Canadian fishermen are getting as little as $3 a pound for lobster. So fishermen on both sides of this are fighting to try and see how much of the catch they can hang on to. PRI's The World is supported by the Medtronic Foundation, helping patients take action for their health, preparing frontline healthcare workers who help them along the healthcare journey, and ensuring that more people around the world living with chronic disease get the proper care they need. MedtronicFoundation.org. I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Egypt today marked two years since the start of its revolution. Once again, thousands of anti-government protesters marched to Cairo's Tahrir Square, but this time they chanted against Egypt's new Islamist president, Mohamed Morsi, and demanded quicker democratic reform. Writer and activist Nala Samaha was among the protesters in Tahrir Square today. Fear was amazing. People from all walks of life. Young people, old people, a mix? Young people, old people, even some people brought their toddlers, senior citizens, rich, poor. Mm, what about the reaction from passersby who were not taking part in the demonstrations? As we walked through streets with residential buildings and all the residents were looking out their windows and balconies, we would chant up to them, Inzil, Inzil, which means come down, come down, asking them to join as well. A lot of people in the balconies were f- waving flags, applauding us. So there was a general sense of support. Nala, two years ago, you were not protesting, but for an activist, you have a pretty good excuse. <laughs> two years ago, I was um, delivering my twins in a hospital here in Cairo. And I was watching on TV at the hospital and I had no idea what was going on. And I actually thought, you know, why are these people wasting their time, you know, demonstrating or protesting? It's not like it's going to get them anywhere. What was the turning point then for you? When did you get involved? All my friends were going to Tahrir during the core time of the revolution. It was everywhere on all the political talk shows, social media. So there was no way of avoiding it. And then... um, during last December's clashes at Hadeya, which is the presidential palace, right. we were actually watching it on live TV, watching the violence up close. That's when I decided to take to the streets. So how did it feel marching today? On a regular day walking down the street, I might be slightly on the defensive. I don't interact much with Egyptians on the street from, you know, lower socioeconomic backgrounds. There is a great divide between the social classes in Egypt, but a demonstration or a march brings together people from different social classes, eliminates all these differences and unites us all in one desire to live freely, democratically and not in fear. So Nala, your twin girls are turning two. When you look to their future in Egypt, what do you see? Unfortunately, I'm not too optimistic about the immediate future. They are my priority, and if they cannot get the kind of quality of life and safety and security and education that I would like them to get, 
here in Egypt, then we will most likely try to find a good life somewhere else. So if you do leave, what will you tell your daughters, say, in 20 years when they ask you why you didn't want to stay in your country of birth? What I will tell them is what my parents told me when at some point we left as well and I had moved to Canada as a young kid because I wanted to give you a better life. Whether it was the right or wrong decision, it was the best decision I could make. I really am hoping I don't have to leave because as much as things like you know education and healthcare are better in other parts of the world, there is nothing like being in your own home country, you know. Yeah, it may sound easy to say right now to them, but uh, those are really complex considerations. Definitely, especially coming from our culture, living somewhere else where you have to sort of reconcile two different cultures, one outside the house and one inside the house. It's difficult for a child growing up, having been through it myself. But this might be a choice my husband and I will have to make at some point.